Welcome everyone to the in-house roundhouse where in-house lawyers, outside counsel and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Henriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me as always is my producer, Brian Ewing. Uh, our guests today are Marisa Roseborough and Kimberly Rogoff, both work for Alliance of Professionals and Consultants or APC, a business solution and professional staffing provider uh, based here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, they both have interesting backgrounds. I'll share a little bit with you. Um, uh, Marisa, uh, Marisa comes as the general counsel there and she is a North Carolina uh, native um, and has over 22 years of legal experience. Uh, she does strategic and business centric counseling to executive leadership in a wide range of areas such as uh, uh, complex commercial contracts, corporate governance, compliance, intellectual property litigation, uh, and risk management. Um, I know you've gotten a number of awards, including being nominated for Corporate Counsel of the Year. Uh, so congratulations on that. Um, and, and we're excited to have you, have you here with us today. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, and Kimberly is a native Floridian, and she serves as a director of human resources uh, for APC. Uh, and she's had over 23 years of experience uh, there uh, and has worked in a variety of industries. Um, and uh, you hold a senior professional human resources, uh, senior certified professional certification. So uh, we're excited to have, uh, have you with us as well, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Great. Um, you know, this, these are interesting times and, and we want to talk a little bit about what is happening um, in the staffing world and online in particular, but I thought maybe we would start uh, by finding out a little bit more about what APC does. So maybe if one of you could just tell our audience a little bit about, about APC and its history and, and role. Absolutely. Um, APC is 27 years old. It's an award-winning ISO certified company that is nationally recognized industry leader. Uh, we're a certified diverse provider to Fortune 500 and mid-sized companies. Our company provides world-class professional staffing in IT, data analytics, digital marketing, and engineering services. Uh, the company provides innovative strategic project solutions focused on business, cloud, data, and security. And we are extremely proud to be a best places to work with our professionals providing services in over 40 states in the US as well as abroad. So we've been around for a while. We've um, had to navigate various scenarios and now like the rest of uh, other businesses in our country and across the globe, we're navigating this new normal with the, with the pandemic. Great. Um, well, we're excited to have you here and it is an interesting um, you know, field to be in now, I think in particular. Um, Let's start by talking a little bit about how the pandemic has affected staffing trends. What are, what are you guys seeing in terms of what's happened since uh, since March? You know, in the pandemic, um, is there a shift in terms of uh, of what's happening and in terms of what positions are in demand? I know we're obviously seeing uh, record levels of unemployment at a lot of levels, and I'm assuming that has some impact too. So, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing as folks that are you know in this world every day. Yeah, Mark, uh, to your point, when the pandemic hit in mid-March and all the way even through going into Q2, a lot of our clients decided to hold off on new projects and new hiring in an effort to see what was going to be the impact on their business. And now that we're midway through Q3, um, 
we're seeing that companies are still being cautious with their hiring, but we're starting to see that some of them are finding a way to move on and uh, move forward with their business initiatives, and those are including the need for contractors. Gotcha. Well, um, it's encouraging that things maybe it may you know may have turned, or at least it, it sounds like maybe we've seen the bottom, at least the yeah, current bottom. I hope so. Um, and uh, you asked what kind of positions are in greatest demand, I think. Um, yes. Based on what we're, uh, we're seeing in the industry anyways, the biggest demand has been in logistics. So things like supply chain, um, warehousing and distribution, uh, IT, like developers and engineers, and in clinical fields, those that, um, essential businesses that are working on creating the vaccine. We're seeing a lot there. And then for APC, we've seen an uptick a lot in IT, like developers and um, systems engineers, cyber engineers, and um, cybersecurity, and those positions that businesses need to hire more to help support all of their employees working remotely. Gotcha. Now that makes that makes sense. Um, and and what is there availability there? Do you have a sense? Are people being able to fill those needs, or are they, do you have real shortages in in some of those spots? Well, there's more candidates now. Um, based on the numbers of un in unemployment, <laughs> right. but sometimes those positions can be quite niche depending on the, the employer, uh, depending on the client's needs. And in those cases, there's just not a lot of those candidates in the market period, um, regardless of whether unemployment is high or not. Um, and then others there, there are plenty out there. Gotcha. Um, interesting. I I'm wondering. You know, based on uh, the trends that probably were in place even before COVID, but are certainly accelerated now in terms of remote um, job opportunities, I, I, I'm interested in what you guys are seeing. In other words, are, are these people that you're placing now primarily working remotely? Are they working from home? Um, and is that, you know, is that a shift that um, is is likely going to continue? I know there's been a lot of talk about, well, you know, COVID may have changed everything, or maybe you know, there's some businesses that have said, no, oh, no, we're a, you know, we're a work from work business, and as soon as we can, we want 100% of people back in the door. But I, but I know that's certainly not universal, and we see big companies, you know, including the Googles of the world, saying, you know, no one's coming into the office. I'm, I'm wondering. You know, given given your area and the placement, what what are, what are you seeing in that area? You know, Mark, one of the positives that we can take away from this pandemic is that more people and more jobs have been able to find a way to be productive from home, and I think this could open up more remote or work from home positions, since a lot of companies that were hesitant to have workers uh, performing work outside their doors in the past now have been able to see that those people can be productive from home. Um, and I think once things start to stabilize and open up, we will see companies and a lot of industry industries needing to regain their employee numbers in a like pre-pandemic level. So they are going to be hiring and um, that will be on the rise, but we will still see some hesitation and uncertainty about what's happening in case another wave comes through. So more companies will have hiring strategies that include contractors and contract to hire based on some of that uncertainty. Um, but I mean, I think this could be a, a greater conversation for sure. There has been a significant shift and things probably won't be the same again, the way that they were before. Um, 
we have had clients that never before allowed our contractors to work from home and they're all working from home now. I mean, that speaks volumes there. Right. Yeah, I think I, I do think it's interesting. And do you do you place both contract employees and what I'll call traditional employees, you know, W2 employees or are you in terms of what APC does, you doing both? Are you focused on the on the contract workers primarily? What's what's your mix? Marisha, do you want to chime in? Absolutely. So we do a mix. Uh, we have both traditional W-2s as well as uh, contractors. We have vendor partners uh, that are smaller companies um, that we place um, their professionals that are their W-2 employees um, with our clients. So we have a mix of, of both, but certainly our focus are, is with employees, W-2 traditional employees. Yep. Um, are you guys seeing people advertise positions, you know, as remote positions? I, I'm just, I'm wondering too about, you know, with COVID, are people saying this is a work from home job or this is a temporary work from home job that, you know, you'll be coming into the office as soon as conditions change? How are, you know, what, what is happening in that regard uh, in terms of what people are, are looking for? Um, yeah, we have, we don't, uh, necessarily put that into a job posting that we are working on. We talk about that on the case by case basis with the um, candidates because every client that we have is a little bit different in what their plans are. You know, a lot of large organizations aren't planning to go back into an office for until mid next year in some cases. Mm-hmm. So um, rather than put something out there when it's very different depending on each client. We just address it with the candidates when we're speaking to them about specific roles. Gotcha. Interesting. What about the onboarding process? Are you seeing changes there? Um, and either of either of you can answer. But as a result of the pandemic, has that changed the way people are, are brought on board? Well, this one's near and dear to my heart, so I will share, and then Marisha probably will want to chime in as well, um, since um, onboarding is handled by my team. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts about it uh, in general, but um, onboarding, I think for probably almost all employers, something has had to change. And especially small employers, they've had to make a huge shift. Um, A lot didn't have systems in place for completing required documents and forms online. So some of the really small ones probably reverted to printing stuff out and mailing it in to their new hires. And then others who were who it was possible, they had to um, find new processes or systems to handle that. Like it wasn't really an um, issue for us because we have a proprietary online onboarding system in place. We've probably had that for close to 20 years. We were one of the first ever to have an online onboarding system. Um, So we didn't have to really change anything for our onboarding. Um, Our system is affectionately called Otis. It's online tracking information system. And um, that that essentially handles all aspects of onboarding, including e-signatures of documents, as well as flow downs from the clients, anything that needs to be signed. And um, it also enables has enabled us to speed up our um, onboarding process to be much, much faster. In fact, it's something that we're known for is the how fast we can onboard a new hire. And once it's like a uh, tale of the company is once we were able to onboard someone in just a few hours, thanks oh, wow. to that system and our excellent vendors that we use for background check and other requirements. 
Yes, and I, I just add on to that as well. I think uh, Kimberly is being very uh, modest because in addition to our wonderful vendors, uh, she has a great HR team that works very quickly with in concert with our proprietary system called Otis. But I would also like to add that that system is very customer centric as well in that from a legal and contracts perspective, we're able to flow down and have our professionals slash employees and our vendor partners sign off on client documents. Um, oftentimes our clients and our contracts will require that we have our professionals sign off on documents before they can start an assignment, such as confidentiality agreements, intellectual property, computer security documentation that all needs to be signed before professional starts. And so this is something that we've been doing, as Kimberly mentioned, for 20 plus years now. So um, the pandemic did not change. It revealed kind of who we are as a company that we're able to be adept and to be nimble and to continue business as usual to offer um, superior service to our customers. So it, it put us in a position, a unique position, I think, to continue to provide services as, as normal. Well, that's great. For the signature piece, do you, do you have a proprietary uh, process for those electronic signatures, or do you use something like DocuSign or some other some other vendor? And I, in particular, I guess I'm wondering about the the in-house counsel that may not be lucky enough to have, you know, a, an onboarding an online system in place. You know, if you've got suggestions for how they might want to, you know, facilitate that move, because I, I think Kimberly mentioned it. I think a lot of companies, you know, have been struggling with that piece, and they've never. They've never hired in a in a virtual context, and you know they can do some of the interviewing and other stuff, but obviously that traditional orientation day paperwork packet, everything else that folks are used to is something that that can be you know, impossible to do in, in COVID. So I'm um, you know I think some tips around how to do that might be good for people that haven't been doing it for as long as you guys have. Yeah, we uh, Otis has a proprietary e-signature system, but. Uh, Marisha also uses DocuWare, so if you want to talk about yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, we do use DocuSign. It's something we've been starting to use over the last year um, that has made us even more nimble. But uh, our, our Otis system, our proprietary system, has a proprietary e-signature as well. And we have a dynamic in-house IT department that assists uh, with anything that occurs with e-signatures or anything, quite frankly, with the onboarding process. So I think that makes a standout as well, that if there are any issues that come up, um, we have an IT department that can deal with it in real time. Gotcha. Now that's that's good. Um, you know, it sounds like you may not have had to change your process much because you already had it in in place. You know, I was I was one. I, I guess I'd be interested if you have thoughts about whether we'll see um, this more virtual onboarding process continue post pandemic. In other words, will people, you know, start using this routinely, even for, you know, even when we no longer have pandemic concerns, just because of the speed and, and ease of doing it. Yeah, I think yeah. I have to, um, you know, see that because to your point, um, we're going in a different direction. I think there's going to be more demand for um, the, the virtual because people are finding that it is productive to Kimberly's point. And I think the fact that they're going to going to get used to something that they hadn't had experience before and companies such as ours who already have those things in place, they're going to be quite comfortable with it. And I think there's going to be more demand for that. 
Um, you know, there's also, you know, with our systems in particular for our customers, there's sort of a compliance piece there too, because um, many of our clients who are large have auditing requirements and they are oftentimes will need documentation for auditing purposes. And we are able to quickly and efficiently obtain those documents and provide those documents to our clients upon request. And, and they're used to that speed, that efficiency, that real time uh, customer service. And so we're able to provide that to them in real time. And I, I think it's something that they're gonna get used to. That'll be hard to sort of unring the bell, if you will, uh, going back uh, to uh, pre-COVID pre times. Yeah. Now that's 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 interesting. Um, the compliance makes me wonder too if there are other issues that in-house lawyers that may be listening to our podcast might want to be um, tuned into, particularly around the hiring and onboarding process, given what we're going through with COVID. So, get, 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 since you guys are going <laughs> to do this all the time, would would there be some you know some issues that you think other um, lawyers and we may have some in uh, some HR people listening as as well, Kimberly. So I'm interested in your your thoughts as well. But things that you know that you may have learned or maybe even learned before pandemic that would be good uh, good things for for our listeners to watch out for. Certainly, there are lots of things that certainly keep me up at night around this pandemic, and I'm sure my fellow uh, in-house counsel listeners as well. And I would take it not only just from the onboarding perspective, but just generically. Um, from what's been going on with, in the context of, of the pandemic. Um, some of the things that have come up around this issue are liability issues related to COVID-19, um, how to uh, reopen um, safely with our employees top of mind, uh, also legal issues around remote working from home. Uh, also in response to this pandemic, as you know, there have been many uh, there's been federal and state laws that have been passed in response to COVID, particularly around uh, sick leave laws, leave laws that say, you know, because you um, have business in our jurisdiction that you have to provide your employees a certain amount of sick leave. How do, how does, how do the federal and state laws intersect? How are they different? Um, particularly given that our company is multi-state, we're in over 40 states and keeping up with what those laws look like. Also from an economic perspective, to the extent there are insurance issues such as business interruption insurance that might impact your business given that you may, like most people in the country, experience some sort of loss as it relates to, um, as it relates to the pandemic. Um, you know, specifically zeroing in on the reopening, uh, early on in this process, um, our company established a COVID-19 task force uh, I think it was in early March, we established a task force that specifically zeroed in on how do we reopen safely? You know, APC values its employees and our, they're our greatest assets. So how do we, you know, put our employees top of mind while still being productive? And so what we did was we established a task force that consisted of our HR and legal department working in concert with um, our leadership, dynamic leadership team, our uh, facilities and IT departments, just to name a few. And we, we did this um, wanting to get the best and the brightest minds involved because we, we did not wanna have a blind spot 
in terms of how we reopened. We wanted to make sure that we were getting opinions from various stakeholders, um, making sure that we were, of course, following federal, state, and local guidelines to make these decisions. And in fact, we're still making these decisions <laughs> because um, our company is headquartered here in North Carolina and we're in what's called phase two. And so we're still evolving and we're still making these decisions, but I know that across the country, so many businesses are doing the same. Um, another legal issue for other general counsel, I'm sure they're thinking about is liability related to COVID-19. Um, in the context of if someone contracts uh, COVID-19 in the workplace, even after you know all the safety procedures that you put in place, um, how, how does that, uh, pan out with regard to liability. Uh, there are a handful of states uh, like North Carolina where APC is headquartered that have passed uh, laws to insulate businesses from liability uh, with some exceptions, of course. And then we have certain states that have not done so. And then of course our federal government has not passed um, uh, is such a, an immunity um, law and so just keeping up with that because as i said we're with us working in 40 states we're having to manage you know what states apply and what where do we have liability potentially uh if something like that happened just managing that process um and then of course uh looking at issues around working from home remote working from home um who gets to stay at home when um there's COVID-19 going on. Of course, there are legal issues around people who are at risk um, and as defined by the CDC. But then of course, you will also have people who have childcare related issues. As we look across the country and we hear in the news, uh, obviously there are school districts that are grappling with this about how to safely return um, students to school. And that impacts the workplace, of course. And so we're trying to figure that out, you know, as council working in concert with our leadership. Um, and of course, our company in particular, we have taken the position to allow our employees to work from home during this time where there is remote learning. Um, we want our employees to feel at ease during this stressful time and allow them to focus on work-like balance. Of course, this is evolving. Of course, <laughs> you know, as, as things are, are going on out there, but that's the position that we've taken. But those are some of the issues that I know the general council members are grappling with out there. And then you have people who just simply feel uncomfortable returning to the workplace, not because they're at risk or they have childcare related reasons. What are the issues of surrounding uh, those types of objections? Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, around uh, sick leave laws. Um, prior to COVID, and Kimberly can attest to this, we were already grappling with, you know, the patchwork of laws out there that deal with uh, leave laws. These are laws that um, state or local government says you as an employer, if you're doing business in our um, jurisdiction, that you have to provide a, a sick leave or family medical leave. And so we were already grappling with that prior to uh, COVID and now we're just pulling our hair out even more given the pandemic around this issue as we've had the federal law pass the Families First Coronavirus Response Act that provides sick leave where someone has contracted um, COVID-19 in the workplace and cannot work and cannot telework. 
and then you have states that have also passed similar laws. How, how do you manage that? How do you uh, look at where one law starts and one law begins? And so managing that process. And the list goes on and on and on. And I'm sure that um, Kimberly can probably add to this as can our listeners out there as well. Yeah, sometimes it feels like navigating a minefield. <laughs> a very dangerous one, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing how many different issues there are um, out there. Um, what did you decide? Do you do you have an office that is open for people that want to come into the office? How did you handle that? Because I know some companies have closed completely. Others, you can come in if you either want to or need to. And you know, where where did you land on that spectrum? Kimberly, you want to take that one? Yeah, we we have two offices that are open right now that employees can go in and work um, if they choose to. Um, the one our corporate headquarters in Raleigh probably could hold 50 or 60 people and there's nine or 10 people working in the office um, following all the guidelines. I went on a weekend and made sure there were signage everywhere, spacing, hand sanitizer and wipes and everything. Uh, we did have to make a significant um, change to some of the things that we provide them uh, like break room access and things and how many people can be in different rooms at the same time and all of that, we took care of it. Um, but the vast majority requested to stay home and we're totally fine with that. We have a smaller office in Charlotte um, that um, can hold multiple people, but I think there's maybe one or two people in there, sometimes not even at the same time, but we do keep it open for them. If they choose to go into the office, they can. Gotcha. Um. You know, one thing too, obviously there's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks about vaccination and, you know, Russia's announced they've got a vaccine, although it hasn't gone through any trials. And, uh, but there are a number of trials underway, including some, um, you know, in North Carolina underway. Have you guys thought at all about what um, you may do or what, you know, some of your clients may be doing around either requiring vaccination or proof of vaccination to work? I know that's an issue where, that's not here now, but maybe one of those issues that is going to, you know, come hopefully, you know, in the next six months, if we get, you know, progress on that vaccination front and have it available. I, I wonder if either of you have thought about, you know, that issue. I know we've had some history of, you know, of vaccinations back with Ebola and for healthcare workers getting the flu and those kind of things. But I don't know if you've if you've thought about that, but it strikes me that that may be the next, <laughs> that may be one of the next, next, thing uh, coming. next yeah. HR issues coming down the pike. Yeah, we haven't specifically had conversations around that in our task force. We might need to add that, Kimberly, to the list <laughs> of, of things that we, we, we do talk about. But, um, you know, twofold, we have corporate staff and then we have our professionals that uh, work for our clients. And so some of that will be dictated in part by our partners, our client partners. And so we certainly will have to work with our partners uh, as that particular issue you know, comes up. But it, it seems as though even the vaccines are being tested, it, it seems like it might be a ways away. So we have some time to, to think about that, but uh, we will have to work in concert with our with our partner, our client partners, as it relates to our professionals that work for for our clients, from a corporate perspective, you know, obviously we would have to work in concert with our leadership to make those types of decisions as they evolve. Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to ask about whether you think there are any co-employment concerns with professionals that are working from home rather than rather than in the office. Um, there, there probably are. We have been very fortunate, Mark, um, to not have to directly deal with uh, co-employment issues at, at this time. Knock on wood, you know, that could always change. Things are always changing. Um, but in terms of just thinking out loud about some of the things one might have to address, particularly given that we're in staffing and working with our clients, um, given that some people are, many people are working from home now, issues around data security um, and cybersecurity uh, to the extent that our employees are logging in to our clients' systems. Um, however, we're very fortunate in that um, most of our clients will require our employees to sign off, as I mentioned earlier, on documentation around data security and computer usage so that it does kind of define the responsibilities of APC, for example, versus the client. So, but those are potential issues that I could see out there in the context of co-employment. Uh, some other er uh, areas in particular that given that we are in four operating in 40 states is that just our clients are in different locations. And given that they're in different locations, there are different laws, different ordinance that, uh, apply to them and just us having to keep up with that and making sure that we're communicating those requirements to our employees and working you know in concert with our um, client partners to to make sure that that is communicated properly those are some of the issues that um, i could foresee as co potential co-employment issues you know one of the questions i had was around engagement something i think is really challenging in this remote environment is making sure people are engaged. I find it particularly challenging to do some of the, you know, supervision and review and give someone constructive feedback. Um, it, it's it's not as easy as swinging by their office, uh, you know, with a cup of coffee or saying, let's grab lunch and, and talk about an issue. I, I'd be interested in if whether, if you guys have ideas around how to promote better engagement with workers that are at home and are not having that, you know, that meet in the office or even conference room or, you know, water cooler type interaction, how, how to, how to make that better. Yeah. Well, what would, what would all of us do without zoom? Right. I mean, really, that is, that, that has taken the place of all of those in-person interactions. And, um, I mean, I, I'd love to share some of the things that we've done to maintain or even improve engagement since we've all been working remotely. Uh, for our corporate staff, when we first started working from home back in March, we set up virtual coffee breaks every day. And it wasn't mandatory, but anyone who wanted to log on and chat could get on. We would it'd be, you know, a 15 minute block of time. So it's not taking up a lot of work time from the day, but it was just an opportunity for people to see each other's faces and to connect. Mm. Well, over time, that kind of morphed into some other fun activities that we started doing, like zoom trivia games themed scavenger hunts um some other opportunities to socialize socialize and we even held the celebration of our company's 27th anniversary as a virtual event nice where all of our team members were shipped celebration kits in advance that included things like swag from their home office um candy from the beloved candy jars in the conference room <laughs> and 
even some items that were our late founders favorites and um we we celebrated that all together on a zoom and um you know because we have corporate staff and field professionals we needed to make sure they felt connected to us too out in the field so we created different communications and even videos from some of our members of our leadership team that were sent out to the field to remind them that we care about them and their families and we are there for them and uh, we also utilized surveys that went out so that we could get feedback about their experiences and try to make improvements there. And then uh, most recently, we participated in the Triangle Business Journal's Best Place to Work survey, and we were selected as a winner in the large employer category. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. So uh, yeah. we will be using that feedback as well to ensure that we continue to make changes to positively impact our employees and to keep that engagement high. Those and are I great. Yeah, ahead, just yesterday, man. just yesterday we had uh, where you where you're from in the world to share so that we could get to know one another and where we were born and tell some interesting facts about our birthplace and our history. But I also think um, not only have we used this time to engage our uh, employees, but also to engage our customers and to bring our customers and our employees together through virtual events that focus on the services that we provide. Uh, we've held various events uh, during this time in the specific services that we provide like uh, cloud and analytics. We're trying to act business as usual, even in these unprecedented times to continue to engage both you know, our employees and our customers so they know that we're continuing to be productive and that we're positioning ourselves to come out on the other side whenever this is over, whenever this uh, new normal um, takes a, a change. That's great. I like I like some of the specific examples you both gave. I think that'll be helpful, you know, to our listeners in terms of things that are that are actionable. And I do. I think that's it's it is a hard thing to do. Um, any in terms of giving one on one feedback or evaluation, are there any tips you can give to do that better in this in this new virtual environment? Any, any suggestions around that, Kimberly? Yeah. Well, um, what we have, what we do in corporate is um, we have one-on-ones every month with all of our team members. So we we are pretty connected to them all the all day long, anyways. But we take that time to do a couple of different things. Um, one is to talk about non-work things. So talking about how are you doing with your kids going back to school, or how's your dog after the surgery on his paw, or you know. How did you weather that storm? Did any trees fall down in your backyard? It's just getting to a personal level and spending time making sure that the employees feel comfortable to do that because that just, it makes it feel like a more open conversation even though you're not in the same room face to face. And then having conversations about whatever else needs to be discussed from a business perspective. Um, but that reminds me of something else that we um, initiated this past month, which kind of goes along with feedback and things that you're talking about, but on a different level, and maybe it's part of engagement. Um, we started having all of us on the leadership team reach out to our corporate staff, corporate staff that doesn't report to us. So mm. for example, um, I might reach out to Marisha, Marisha's team. Uh, Marisha might reach out to somebody in recruiting and we all had a list and we just made calls and checked in with them and it wasn't work related. Um, you know, we just wanted to make make sure they knew that we cared about them. Right, and I also think just during this time, 
Just showing a little levity and grace because we're kind of all in this together. So if the dog is barking or, you know, your child has to you know, interrupt, just showing that levity, levity and grace. And I know early on when we first started, um, there were various, you know, interruptions and we kind of all realized we're in this together. We need a good laugh to, <laughs> to get away from the, the craziness of yeah. this pandemic. And so I think that's a big part of it as well. But that reminds me of something. So there is a very large organization. It's an international company, but a very large company that um, one of the things that they did was they sent out a pledge to all of their employees because they're all working from home. Essentially all are working from home. And the pledge said things like what Marisha was speaking to, like they pledge that they will give people grace and they will expect that there might be a kid or a dog in the background. And they expect that someone might not be available at the moment that they're trying to reach them. And it had all, honestly, it was a pledge, but it also was like giving everybody the um, permission to not feel bad when those things happen. And so when I was on a call and forgot to mute myself and told my kid to go get a, um, some fruit, <laughs> I didn't feel so bad about it because you know, I was thinking about that pledge and we, we've all experienced that. And, you know, that's just the times that we're in right now. Yeah. And I think we're just, I mean, this is the one time we're all in this together. We're all experiencing the same thing. We're trying to figure things out um, and we're doing the best that we can. And um, I think that that is the grace that, that we have to, to give and remember that not only you know, from a personal perspective, but in the workplace as well, so. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. And in some ways it's, you know, it's much harder. In other ways, we are more intimate with these people, but you know, we're seeing into their dining rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and, you know, home offices and kids and, you know, stuff that you would not usually get a glimpse of someone's, you know, home and life, so. Um, so you know, you may, you may say, Hey, I didn't know you played the guitar, Brian. Cause you see a guitar, you know, you see the guitar right. behind him in a way that is different, um, you know, than an office context. So it is, it's, it's less personal cause you don't have that one-on-one -on -one relationship, but in some ways it's more intimate because we're getting glimpses of the very much day-to-day -day lives of people. Um, I think that's true. I mean, do, do you find, I talked to some people that say they think we're actually more efficient in getting more done in this remote environment. I'm, I'm curious as, as, you know, given uh, your experience with APC, do you, do you see that true? You know, are you more efficient, less efficient about the same? How does it compare to, to pre-COVID? I, I would just um, say that as a part of our task force, Mark, we, um, one of the things that we did was sent out a, a survey to our uh, employees because we wanted their input um, as we were planning to reopen and we wanted their buy-in and we asked questions around productivity and efficiency and um, the responses around that as well as our leadership who could attest to the productivity as well was very high that they felt that efficiency was very high and productivity was there in part because everybody's at home and everybody's, you know, either you're there to answer the, your phone and you're able to engage and even our sales uh, staff would could attest to the fact that they were able to get meetings with right. <laughs> uh, customers that in the past, perhaps they were not able to get in touch with. So 
our experience has been from a company perspective that productivity and efficiency has been very high. Kimberly, you may want to add something to that as well. I completely agree with that. Some of the sentiments we saw in the survey, for example, was, you know, they're more productive because they don't have to drive an hour to work and an hour back. So they're still getting up at the same time. They're just working two extra hours a day. Yep. So true. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is interesting. I had not thought about the availability for sales calls and stuff, but that makes a lot of sense, right? You don't you don't have these people always on the road and, you know, always out to some extent. It's easier to catch people um, because you're not. And e even when you're on vacation, you're probably sitting at home. <laughs> so right, you're gonna be, exactly. You know, so you're going to be more available than you might otherwise be because there aren't too many places to go and stuff to do. That's, that's interesting. I know, I think we're almost out of time, but I wanted to give uh, each of you a chance to add any final tips or or comments or maybe something that I didn't have a chance to, to cover. Kimberly, anything else you wanted to, to share with folks before we wrapped up? I'm gonna get on the HR bandwagon just because this is top of mind from something I was working on yesterday and talking about vacation, which you just mentioned. Um, there is a huge, mental health crisis going on. And part of it is people can't travel, so they're not taking time off and there's no opportunity to relieve that stress. And they're working from home, so they're working more. And so one of the thing I think, one of the things I think people should really be thinking about from an organization perspective is encouraging people to take time off, um, even if they don't go anywhere. And I don't mean like take time off, but still answer your email and your calls. I mean like totally disengage from work and don't worry about what's happening at work and take that time because it's so easy to get burned out at this point. And there's so many other things that are stressful situations on top of work um, and people just are not taking time off because they think, you know, well, I can't go anywhere. So there's no point in me taking time off because if I stay home, I'm just going to check my email and answer my calls anyways, but that's really not healthy. And so there's this big mental health push um, and behavioral health push for wellness that's going all across the HR community to um, promote taking time off right now, even though people aren't really thinking that that's a thing that they can do. And we're, we're doing that as well. That's such a great reminder. I appreciate you bringing that up. And I've, I've heard that too. And I, I was on a, I host a, a, a general counsel roundtable where once a month I get together with in-house counsel uh, from a variety. I tend to host the manufacturing sector ones. And they were saying it's unbelievable the amount of PTO that people have built up and the small amount of vacation. And they're really worried people aren't taking it. And then they may get a flood of everyone taking it in the last quarter or, or at the end of the year or having to pay a bunch more time than they usually pay. And, and I think your, the, the well-being aspect is a really key thing that I think a lot of people aren't focused on. And candidly, I think for, for our in-house counsel listeners, you guys are the ones maybe most burned out. I'm sure as Marichal, yeah. you know, our, our, the lawyers have really had a lot to juggle. I mean, we, it, took, it took Marisha 10 minutes just to, to list the, the issues, yet alone solve them. Um, so there's a lot on everyone's plate. And I do, I talk to, to in-house lawyers and outside counsel like us where, you know, I've had to, I, you know, I've had to tell some folks you know, you have to take some vacation. People have been basically, you know, working every day since March, and that's just not, that's not normal, it's not healthy. And and your point about all the external stress about 
school and am I going to get sick or do I have a relative that's sick and what's what's happening in the news and obviously there's a lot of other news even non-COVID news is not always good um, out there with you know so if there's a lot going on I think it's really an important reminder so I appreciate you bringing it up thank you now, Marisha any th other thoughts you want either add on to that or anything other parting thoughts you wanted to give before we wrap up yeah, I think that's a great point uh, around the mental health. Um, and as it relates to our in-house counsel listeners, um, I would just say, you know, from the list I was talking about, there's just so many issues around this uh, pandemic um, and some are developed and some are not developed. And I would just say, don't be afraid to reach out to your in-house counsel members to get ideas um, uh, around this issue because there are, it's, it's fast paced. It's, it's, constantly evolving and changing. And I, if I had a, a penny or for all the webinars and the different meetings I've had around this issue, uh, might be wealthy right now. So it's just ever evolving and changing. And so I would just say, reach out to your fellow in-house council members just to get ideas around how they're dealing and grappling with some of these issues. And again, just give yourself grace and levity as you're um, coming to uh, decisions about um, how to assist your company in navigating uh, some of these difficult issues. And also um, work with your leadership. Um, allow them to be a part of the journey, if you will. We found that to be very helpful to um, include our, our not only our leadership, but also our employees to be a part of the process because when everybody has um, input I think that the output uh, puts you in a better position. So we found that to be the case so far. That's great. Now that's a good, that's a, that's a terrific tip. Um, I do want to remind our listeners too, if you're particularly around COVID issues, uh, our firm Womble Blind Dickinson has a website and a, a hub uh, focused specifically on navigating COVID. We also have uh, about a 20 page return to work guide dealing with some of the issues of returning to work. And you can subscribe to our uh, weekly email alerts. I, I know a lot of people's email boxes are jam full, but we consolidate all our alerts into a once a week announcement. And we also have a YouTube channel. If you're tired of reading and would rather watch and listen, you can do that uh, as well. And of course, this podcast is a great source of information for the listeners out there. But you, if you're listening, you already know about that. Um, Marisha, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a great episode and really important reminders. And it's great uh, to have someone that's on the front lines of the uh, of the placement uh, world and the onboarding to kind of talk and give tips and, and perspective. So um, I appreciate that very much. Um, I do want to remind our listeners, you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to this podcast at the website, WombleBondDickinson.com, or go to iTunes, the Google Play Store, uh, SoundCloud, or Spotify, uh, and you can subscribe there. If you have questions or comments about this episode or suggestions for future topics, uh, share them with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the In-House Roundhouse. We will see you at the next station.